0: Today, if you want to look on your your tables there, we're going to talk about what really impacts your home. That's the outline we're going to go through. I've got this other sheet there that just says family time. I just want to get this out of the way before I get talking in case I forget. This is just intended to give you some ideas on how you as a dad can make time with your family intentional on a weekly basis. Like just pick... Thirty minutes out of your entire week to do something creative or fun together as a family. But that's what those resources are for. I'll introduce my family real quick, just so you know, this is the rare time when we are all together. So my wife Katie and I have been married 30 years. We have eight kids. Uh, The oldest four are married. And then we've got five grandkids. So it is really fun being a grandparent. I love it. So a whole new phase of Fatherhood and grandfatherhood going on at the same time. My little guys are um, 9 and 10, so Katie and I are still doing Parenting 2.0 right now. And I'm just a different dad in a lot of ways with um, the second go-around, but it's really fun. So here's what we're going to do. On the top of your page there, what what we're going to talk about this morning is based on a proverb... That I want you to discuss at your tables in just a minute, but just so you know, the the sequence we've been going through is our first week we talked about what does it mean to fear the Lord and how that impacts your kids. Last week we talked about if you fear the Lord, how does that affect your steps and, and your battle against sin? Because we've got to start with our own oxygen mask, right? Kind of like when you're on the airplane that you put yours on first before you help anybody else. Now what I'm going to do today is begin to move towards, so how do you have an impact on your home? What actually impacts your home? And what are the real factors? We're going to look at a lot of stats and hopefully helpful information. But I want you to look at the proverb at the top of your notes. i got it on the screen here. It says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Okay, so Proverbs is good of contrasting two things. So you have not a whole lot. But you fear the Lord versus you've got a whole lot of wealth, but there's trouble. The second part says, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened calf. I'm sorry, a fattened ox and hatred with it. So you've got a small, measly meal, but there's love in your home versus you've got all the food that you could ever want and you've got hatred. Some of you, that's intimidating to think of the dinner with herbs because you um, agree with Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. Uh, this is, Ron, would you like some salad? And he says, since I'm not a rabbit, no, I do not. Uh, so we might feel like that about meat. Another one where you got salad, there's been a mistake. You've actually ex- accidentally given me the food that my food eats. So when you read that dinner of herbs, depending on your uh, dietary consumption, you can relate to that. But the point is you don't have a whole lot versus you've got a fattened cap, which is going to feed your whole family, maybe your whole town. And uh, there's a difference there. So here's what I want you to do. At your tables, it kick things off. What do you think would be an interpretation or an application of this in 2023 Dallas? Like, wh- how, do you, how would you rephrase this proverb to kind of relate to where we're at today? Okay? So I'll give you just a few minutes. Talk about that together. If you haven't said hi to each other yet, you can say hi. And uh, I'll call you back together and we'll talk about how it applies. Okay, ready? Go. All right. Anybody want to share? Uh, one interpretation or application from your table? Anybody want to shout it out? Your own way you would apply this to today? Anyone? No? Okay, chasing after riches but neglecting responsibility at home. Okay, anything else? I put down a couple ideas. Um, We may not have much, but we chase what matters. Like, who cares how much stuff we have? That's both of those things. We have lots of things, but our home is shallow, negative, and worldly. Like, there's trouble, there's hatred, right? We don't have much stuff, but we are rich in love. We are materially rich, but can't stand each other. When it talks about trouble. Uh, We don't need all that stuff because we have Jesus and we love each other. Just a couple, again, reminders of... What so many people experience, unfortunately, over and over again is having stuff doesn't satisfy. It doesn't make for a happy home, and yet we, we fall for that, where we think, as long as my kids have this or look like this, then we're going to be good. And it, this is what this proverb is saying, is all of that really doesn't matter if there's not love, if there's not the fear of the Lord, okay? So I've got on your notes right there some reminders and warnings. I just want to lead into the impact that you have as a dad. And I want to encourage you, and I do not want you to feel overwhelmed as I share some stuff. And I'm going to get a little um, statistical in a minute and just show you over and over again, just to remind you that the stats back up what Scripture says. But it's really interesting if you look in Scripture how many times we as dads are either reminded or were um, warned about the impact that we can have. So let me just show you a few verses. They're listed on your notes there, but I'll put them on the screen. This is from Psalm 78. He, the Lord, established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God. So a generational, multi-generational faithfulness, right? But the command is fathers to teach their children. Malachi, the end of the Old Testament, or if you're Italian, Malachi, Behold, I will send you Elijah You got to do dad jokes, dad jokes. You got to throw in dad jokes. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest they come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So this is the end of the Old Testament. Four hundred years of silence. Guess what the New Testament begins with? With this pronouncement by Gabriel about John the Baptist. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Do you understand what he's saying here? Part of John the Baptist's ministry in preparing the way for the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is we have got to turn the hearts of the dads. To get ready, to be ready for the Lord, the hearts of the fathers need to to be turned. And it's referring back to that uh, passage in Malachi. And then you get some warnings in the New Testament as well. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And there's a warning just for us, not for our wives. In other words, dads, you could do this if you're not careful. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then in Colossians 3, there's a warning about us and our wives. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them, again, it's a reminder, guys, you can have a tendency to do this. So I'm going to warn you, fathers, do not provoke your children unless they become discouraged. So there's reminders, there's warnings. We have a bigger impact than we think in our homes. I, I like to compare it sometimes to Mr. Incredible, if you've seen The The Incredibles. Walking around the office and he gets mad at his boss, right? And he throws his boss through the wall, picks up his car when he's angry. Like, he, he doesn't realize you have so much strength and you don't even realize it. It has got to be, you got to recognize the strength that you have. So why do we have this big impact? Um, why has God made it this way? Here's what I want you to discuss at your tables about your own dad and then about your own kids. There's so two things I want you to think of. My dad was great, but, some of you recognize this? If you don't. It's okay. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. Yeah, dad was great, but then there's that time he tried to kill us. Um, my dad was great, but. So here's, here's the question at your table. What would you say about your dad? If you can say that, maybe you're like, uh, I don't have a whole lot. But most, for most people, most men can say something along the lines of, yeah, my dad was great, but. And then after you answer that, I want you to answer this. How might your kids answer this now? Or maybe years from now. And this was really convicting to me. Like, yeah, dad was great, but man, when he got upset, right? Or whatever, whatever it is, what, how would you answer that? So those two things real quick, at your table, how would you answer that about your dad? And then reflecting on your own life, how might your kids answer that right now or maybe in the future? Which it's not too late to change, but go ahead and talk about that. Ready to go. How many of you in the summer, uh, this is always a challenge on what you're going to keep your thermostat at? Uh, My best friend growing up uh, works for a company in San Diego and uh, deals with energy and things like that. And literally two days ago, he texted me and he's like, what do you guys keep your thermostat on in Texas? Because out there, the weather is obviously clearly different. But here's what I want to remind you of based on those verses that we looked at already and based on a lot of the stuff I'm about to show you, I want to remind you that we are like thermostats in our home, that we set the culture in our home. And there's different ways you can do this that we're going to talk about. This is something that I found at a store. And I told my wife, I'm like, I want to get this. Uh, like kind of our family rules that we can put up in our house in front of our kids to see. Because there's a lot of these that are out there now like, um, that, are, that are typical stuff. But I found this one actually at Ross, which totally surprised me. Because the very first one in here is Love Jesus. And I was like, this is great. But, but I just want to make sure <clears throat> you realize the impact that you have. So let's look at some stats here for a minute. If you geek out with me just a little bit. This is an interesting uh, question. In our culture, in the United States, this is kind of the chicken or the egg thing. Which came first in our culture? Was it family breakdown? Like sex outside of marriage, divorce, fatherlessness as a result of that. Or decline in faith? Like people becoming less religious and increase in atheism and agnosticism. So if you look at the stats, and these are always kind of a a double helix where they, they impact each other. But in our country, culturally, what you find out is that it's... If you look at those two, family breakdown was one of the bigger things that happened before you get this decline in faith. In other words, and I'm about to show you a whole bunch of research, which is interesting. Family decline fuels faith decline. Now, you could argue our our faith and values were beginning to deteriorate anyways that led to the family breakdown, so they're always related. But the bigger impact in our culture... Starting in the 60s and 70s with what you would call the sexual revolution, the introduction of the birth control pill, and you've got kind of the shaking off of uh, traditional sexual mores, divorce begins to increase. Then you see this fallout more in the 80s and 90s of an increase in agnosticism and atheism and things like that. So here's an example, just divorce rates. Uh, starting in the 60s, those things skyrocketed. So now, just think of this, with divorce, nine times out of 10, now you have kids living in the home with just their mom, dads aren't there. So the impact of this is going to be deadbeat, distant, or disconnected dads. Just by nature of that, you're not going to be around as much. Okay, So you have an increase in fatherlessness. And this is, uh, once that I was reading, 8% of all Every married woman between 50 and 54 had divorced in 1960. Okay, from one study. By 1970, that number was 11%. 1980, it was 16%. By 2010, it was 36%. Today, it's estimated, again, in in roughly one out of every two marriages end in divorce. So this is where we are in our culture. And uh, one other stat that was such a bummer, and some of you can relate to this. Over the last decade, less than half of all 17-year-olds reached their birthday with two continuously married biological parents in the home. So it's just an impact. It's just where we are in our culture right now. This is what we found in uh, the the studies on faith. In 1980, the religious nuns, people saying, I'm really not anything, was only 7%. By the late 90s, it was 13. 2010s, it was 22%. Today, 29, almost 30% of the population would say, I don't have any religious affiliation at all. That's after all of that impact on the home. There's a book that I recently came across, a year, uh, really a year ago, called How the West Really Lost God. And what this author does, and you can find her uh, talks even online on YouTube, is she says, what we see, and she looks at European culture and American culture, is that societies where more and more people stop marrying and having babies and living in families are societies where more and more people stop going to church. And I think the, the conventional wisdom is, well, we kind of walked away from God, and then family declined. What she's arguing is, and it's, they always impact each other, is what you see is where less and less people are getting married and having babies. There's a decline in that culture of them going to church. And she talks about, you know, when you have a baby, it's this kind of miraculous experience, like, oh, my goodness. And then a lot of families are like, maybe we should raise them in some kind of a moral environment. But I was talking to Lance Sisko, who runs our marriage ministry here, 15% of all of the people that come through Merge, they're, they're, they're like, I want to come back and, and, and you know, get ready before I get married, um, have no religious affiliation, no affiliation with the church at all. So even the idea of getting married makes people kind of go, oh, maybe I should get serious about some other things in life. This book, uh, this study that I just came across, Faith in Relationships, this national nationwide study on faith and relationships, reveals that the collapse of marriage and the resulting decline And resident fatherhood may offer the best explanation for the decline of Christianity in the United States. And they did this huge study on even just church attendance and the the makeup of those people going to church. They said, while 18% of married people report struggling, cohabitors, people not getting married, 78% of them are more, more likely to report that they're struggling. So even just getting married has an impact there. The collapse of fatherhood, this is all from this study, talks about this increase in adverse childhood experiences, which increases likelihood that a child will live in poverty, suffer depression, commit a violent crime, struggle in his life as an adult. One uh, of the results of this study, they said the, the most unsafe environment for a child is to grow up in a home with a mom and her live-in boyfriend. That's the most unsafe environment for a kid. So again, the impact of the home and having a father, a present father, where mom and dad are committed to each other. In a marriage relationship. This was interesting. Just going to church. They found 80% of all Sunday church attendees in the U.S. grew up in a continuously married home with both biological parents. Just that overall, growing up in a home where mom and dad stayed together, that impacts your your faith. And here's the last study I'll show you, or stat from this. Um, A lot of you know this. 50% of all adults under 30 grew up without continuously married parents. So half, you know. One out of two, but what they found in this study was of that same age group of men, for example eighty seven percent in church, never married men on, that are in church on a Sunday grew up in a home where mom and dad stayed together so it 's this really interesting thing, like half of the of the population only you know one out of every two have parents that are still you know together, but then you look at the number of men that are going to church they 've never been married before. 87% of them had parents that stayed together. So that's just a reminder to me of, man, my marriage matters, right? And then my presence as a dad matters. One other big book uh, that I read last year, this is the largest ever study of religion and families across generations. Almost 40 years they did this study. And they came out with this book, Families in Faith, and they said a crucial factor in whether a child keeps the faith is the father's warmth. Parental piety cannot make up for a devout but distant dad. This is a 40-year study. While outside forces do play a role, the crucial factor in whether a child keeps the faith is the presence of a strong fatherly bond. Isn't that interesting? Okay? One other book I came across recently, Faith of the Fatherless. This doctor, he was an emeritus professor of psychology at New York University, said, the failure of a child to form a healthy attachment to his or her father often manifests itself in the later loss of faith, interest in New Age spirituality, or the manifestation of agnosticism or atheism. We just have an impact. It's just the way God designed it, you guys. So this is where, again, I want you to feel a little bit of the weight of you matter. Because the culture is going to tell you you don't matter. Like what you do, what you say, mom can take that role. You can have two moms. It doesn't matter if you have a dad. That's, that's not what scripture says, and that's not what the studies tell us. Okay? So let me give you four things that set the culture of your home. Your home already has an atmosphere. Do you guys know this? You already have a culture in your home. You can change that. That's the good news about being a thermostat. But recognizing that you have a bigger impact than you realize by number one, just your presence, just being there. Your physical presence is a big one, but emotionally connected to your kids and then mentally being there, talking to your kids, thinking about what are you going through? How are you feeling? And this is where, again, a lot of us now experience working from home, and our kids are watching us work a lot, I don't want my kids to feel like this, that dad is always, okay, just a minute, hold on, I'll be there in a minute, just a minute, and again, obviously, you've got your work to do, but I don't want my kids to feel like I'm maybe physically there, but emotionally checked out, or mentally not thinking, so recognizing, I try to do this with my 19-year-old daughter, because it changes all the time, what is her favorite color right now, which just now switched to pink, I just found out. I took her out on a Waffle House date the other night, and I just started talking, and that that came up. And so I'm making a mental note. Currently, Callie's favorite color is pink. But asking your kids, hey, didn't you have that test today? Just being emotionally present, mentally present, huge impact um, in our culture. This is just, again, secular studies, this father factor. Father involvement in school is associated with a higher likelihood of a student getting mostly A's. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school. Youths in father absent homes have significantly higher odds of delinquencies and incarceration. Teens without fathers are twice as likely to be involved in early sexual activity. Seven times more likely to get pregnant as an an adolescent. A 26-year-long study found that the most important childhood factor in developing empathy is the dad's involvement in the family, just being there, being present. One study found that if mom attends church regularly, but dad doesn't, so only mom comes to church, when the kids grow up and they're on their own, and they get to decide whether or not they should go to church, 2% of the time, they're also going to attend regularly. But if you flip that, dad goes to church, but mom doesn't, it jumps up to 44% of the time, the kids will choose on their own. Obviously, it'd be great if both parents came to church, right? But isn't that interesting, the impact of our example? Okay, so just being there. Last one, uh, one study found that when a child is the first to connect to a church, about 3% of the time, the rest of the family follows. If mom connects to a church, 17% of the time, the rest of the family follows. If dad connects to a church, it jumps up to 94% of the time, the rest of the family follows. We have an impact. And just even your physical warmth and, and, and touch, you guys, I cannot tell you how impactful that is. And I think because for the last... 20 years, my wife and I have been doing foster care and having different kids come in our home. Just your kids watching you show healthy affection to your wife is huge. When, when these kids come into my home and they see that, you guys, it's like, it's like they're looking, they've seen a unicorn. <laughs> they're like watching like, what? Because they've never seen healthy physical touch from a male. Right now we've got a nine-year-old foster daughter and she loves to hug me. And there's just something about that of a father's warmth that you have a way bigger impact than you realize. Okay? So that's our presence. Some of you remember back in January, I talked about five types of fathers based on a book um, that uh, was, is really helpful. But there's dads who are irresponsible, ignorant, inconsistent, involved, or intentional. And those last two, I think probably most of you are going to fall into that you're involved, but are you intentional? Okay? So I have really good news. Uh, John McGee next week, John at table seven, you want to raise your hand? John next week is going to talk to us about being an intentional dad. Okay. If you want to look at it, I put it as a resource on the, on the back of your page there for a podcast. We did a whole podcast on how to be a fun dad. You can go and listen to that. John was, was on there as well, but that's next week. So a little teaser trailer for that one. Okay. Second big impact that sets your, your home, you guys is your words. Your words, what you say, personal, intentional, and biblical, that you are talking to your kids specifically, reminding them, encouraging them, challenging them, exhorting them, whatever you need to do, but also making sure that it's intentional things, not just frivolous stuff of thinking as they, as they leave the car today to go to school, what's a little thing I can remind them for? Is there a prayer I can say for them, remind them, hey... Remember, you're not your score, whatever it is. But my words need to be intentional and then they need to be biblical. I need, this is where Ephesians 6 says, hey, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So how am I making sure that I'm getting God's word into my family? But this is just a big part of what Deuteronomy 6 talks about. Where it says, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. If you want to know what you should talk about, well, what's God teaching you? What's on your heart? You shall teach them to diligently to your children, literally sharpen your children with them. That's what the Hebrew word means there. And shall talk of them. So, what scripture tells us to do is parents, in some form or fashion, we need to involve and bring God's word into the discussion. Okay? So, it's not just having fun for fun's sake, but I want to make sure that my words, somewhere along the way, I'm bringing God's wisdom, God's perspective, God's worldview into this. As I'm raising my kids. But just the impact of talking. I love this in First Thessalonians 2 where Paul is talking to them. And he says, you know how like a father. So in other words, he's saying, we know how dads are supposed to operate, right? He says, like a father, with his children, we exhorted each one of you. And encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. What's the assumption there? This is what dads do. We encourage, we exhort, we challenge. That's part of our role. We're talking to our kids. We're reminding them. Okay? Hey, remember, you're on that team for a purpose. You're in this school for a purpose. Why do you think you made the, you know, the band, the marching band? Why do you think you're in this class? All of these things, I'm reminding and exhorting and challenging them. Hey, make sure you serve somebody today. Be a blessing to your teacher. Be a friend to the friendless. Whatever it is, with your words, you can remind your kids of what truly matters. In this other book, Handing Down the Faith, they said, The strongest association to long-term faith, transference, is with parents regularly talking with their children about religious matters as part of ordinary life. So it's not just the once a week family devo or while we're, you know, church is over and now we're just going to ask them real quick, what would you learn? And then we never, ever talk about this again until next week. But it's the everyday life stuff, which is what Deuteronomy 6 says. Just, we're just going to talk about these things. They said parents who have warm and kind relationships with their children were more likely than others to transmit similar levels of religious belief. There's two big times when you can do that. Obviously, you've got an easy setup on Sundays. What did you learn at church? I cannot tell you how important it is, though, for you to say, here's what I learned at church. Here's what God is teaching me. Okay? That's an opportunity right there. But just in everyday conversations. They found in this study, when conversations immediately turn after religious worship services to non-religious interest. So now that's done, check that off for the week. And now we don't talk about it again the rest of the week. Um, that is telling, too, to the kids. The messages may be subliminal, but their accumulated socialization effects are powerful. When parents talk naturally and substantively about religion and its place in life throughout the week, that effectively indicates to children that in the mix of life's many priorities and values, this stuff matters a lot. So it's easy, and again, I know we're busy and there's a lot of stuff going on, to think like, well, Sunday's the day we talk about church, we talk about what we do, we make that a priority, but then it's, it's... not as effective if you're never bringing that up again. Whether it's praying at night or blessing in the morning or at dinner table talking about stuff. Like they just begin to compartmentalize that naturally because they're watching you compartmentalize it. If that's the only time you talk about religious stuff, it's like, okay, that's a Sunday thing. And then there's the rest of our lives. Okay, So these are what the studies are, are telling us. Number three, what impacts your home? sets The thermostat is your example. Three big things I want to remind you about this so that we're not heaped over with guilt. Um, you, you want to make it visible where they're seeing stuff, but it is fallible. My father-in-law, who did not become a believer until he was 39 years old, would always have this phrase, not perfect, just real. Like, I know I'm not perfect. I just want to be real. Like, that's what your kids want. Your kids know that you're not perfect, right? They figure that out. You know you're not perfect, Right? But I don't want to act like I'm perfect. I want to make sure they understand, like, man, I am just growing right along with you. It's by God's grace that I make mistakes. When I lose my temper or I, whatever it is, I need to apologize. And they see that it is uh, a dad who is not perfect, okay? And even the visible part, it's more of a pattern, not like perfection that we're talking about. But I love this reminder in Proverbs 23. My son, give me your heart. And let your eyes observe my ways. Kind of like Paul saying, follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. Here in this proverb, he's saying, listen, first of all, I want to have a heart level relationship with you, but then I want to encourage you and invite you, look at my example. It's not going to be perfect, but by God's grace, I'm chasing after him, I'm following after him, and uh, I want you to be able to see this, okay? So that's, again, a reminder of it, just being um, faithful. One other stat here. It, I just want to remind you of your example. This study said, parents by far are the most successful and influential player in their kids adopting the Christian faith compared to any other influence. Not their peers, the media, their youth group leaders or clergy, not their religious school teachers. Parents are the greatest single evangelists for the gospel in the world and its greatest arena is the family. And then listen to this last part. The most important factor is the sheer consistency and honesty of the parents' own imperfect faith and practice. It is not calling you to be perfect. It's just saying, do you have a pattern of faithfulness and following Jesus? And when you fall down, do you admit it? Do you talk about it and, and do you move on from there? But what example am I setting? Not just, man, we go to a great church. The kids ministry is awesome. Our youth pastor is awesome. No, it's starting home in the home that has a huge impact. So if I were to ask your kids you are old enough to, to talk, When does your dad read his Bible? What would they say? Do do they have any concept in their brain that dad dad spends time in God's word? God's word is important. Because, again, in our lives, you guys know this, we talk about what we care about. That's just the way it is. Some of us are all excited about the football season starting, and we're talking about it because we care about it. Whatever your hobby is, you talk about what you care about. So do your kids know? Or could you say to your kid, could your kids say, I know my dad reads his Bible because? Maybe they don't see you, but do they ever hear you say, hey, can I share with you guys what I just read this morning? I cannot tell you how impactful that is, you guys, because it's showing your kids God's words a priority, and I am learning. I think sometimes we want our kids to think that I've already learned all this stuff, Okay. And it's, that's our pride in there, right? We just say things like, well, I was reminded today, rather than, no, I learned something for the first time. But we want to make sure that we are, are having that attitude, because God honors and values men who have that attitude towards his word. Isaiah 66, 2, this is God speaking, but this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. The person that God honors, that God is looking for, is men who are humble, they're teachable, they have this respect for God's word. Okay, That's what our kids need. They don't need perfection. But I'm amazed, you guys, at what my kids remember versus what reality was. That um, We did a Parenting on Point panel uh, back in the fall, and my grown daughter said, well, you know, we had family devos every day, and I was sitting there going, no, we didn't. (laughs) Not at all. But there was a pattern where it seemed to be important, but what she remembers is different than how it actually played out. So will your kids in general think, my dad never had time to play ball, or my dad was always willing to say yes, which neither of those might, might not be reality, but what they remember is the pattern, the overall pattern, not perfection. Okay? Last one, number four, just write down your attitude. I just want to make sure you recognize the biggest thing in your home in setting the tone is going to be your excitement, your attitude. And I know you go and put in a full day's work, and then you got to come home and come home and you're tired. But that is your real job. This is your, your first priority is coming home. And what environment, what attitude are you setting in your home? Is it a home of grace and truth? Like there's always God's grace, and we're we're, we're serious about God's word. Or is it one of stress? or disappointment, or like, man, i got to measure up. Like, you are setting that tone. And some of you know this because I can tell you this. The home I grew up in was a little stressful about, am I practicing uh, my musical instrument long enough? Like, that was a huge stressful thing in my home because both my parents were music teachers. And I just felt, whether they meant it to be that way or not, like this ongoing, I'm just not good enough, I'm not measuring enough, I'm not practicing enough. And I I don't think that was the intended message, but it's what came across. To me as a little kid. Okay? So, how you respond when your kids blow it. When they do things like this. I saw this meme. You wake up on Father's Day morning and find this. (laughs) What would you do? Oh my goodness, right? Some of you don't need to share what you would do. Okay? So, it's, wow. But when your kids, when they blow it, if they get that C and they're like, I need, I'm going to have to, do you ever have this when you're a kid We have to? Have your parents sign your paper or sign your report card and you bring it to them, man, the level, I always went to my mom first. Is that would kind of soften the blow? Because I knew this is going to be tough when my dad sees this. So do, do your kids think, man, I messed up. I better tell my dad. Or man, I messed up. I hope my dad doesn't find out. Like that just sets the tone in your home, right? What kind of atmosphere, what kind of environment? And I love this reminder in Psalm 128, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of your labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. So there's like grapes and festivity, right? Like wine. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Both of those symbols of grapes and oil are fruitfulness and festivity. This is the home environment from you fearing the Lord, the impact that it has around your dinner table. Okay? So are you the dad that is trying to have fun, that you're willing to like spontaneous pillow fight, tickle, intentional dates with your daughters or your sons, that you're, you're okay to dance and be silly or to, to play video games with your kid? Are you, in general, a dad who your attitude is, hey, this is fun, we're excited about life, and yeah, we're going to take school seriously, sports are important-ish, but man, the Lord in our family, this environment, that you want to be the one maybe starting the, the the water fight, washing the car, or coming up with some big crazy Nerf gun like that one. That's pretty cool. Playing board games. Uh, whatever it is, are you having, um, are you being intentional in this? Just a couple of resources I just want to encourage you. I, I just keep Going back to this book, Habits of the Household, it is so good, you guys, because it just gives practical, really relatable, easy things to implement in your home, around the dinner table, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Uh, I I read this book a year ago, and it is still impacting our family. And then a really easy read called Family Worship is just talking about how do you have family worship time in, in your home, which I'll just go ahead and tell you the cliff notes are read, sing, pray. Read God's word, sing a song, and pray together. You just did family worship. That's really, really easy. You don't have to read and then have a commentary, right, or a craft with an illustration. Like, you don't have to do all that. God's word is living and active. You can talk about it, but just do that. Sing a song. You can put on a worship, you know, on YouTube, whatever, and then just pray together as a family. Like, that does not take you that long, but that is a really great book. A great resource if you have older kids. It's called Axis. This is all about parent-child conversations. It is so helpful. How do you talk about LGBTQ plus issues with your kids? How do you talk about their identity with their kids? How do you talk about cultural issues? Access gives you all of these conversation kits that is so helpful. And then a really good book and podcast that I've just came across is called Dad Tired. They're even on Instagram with little quotes that are really helpful that I follow. But this is a great book. It's just, you're going to be tired. I bought this for my sons uh, who are dads. But Dad Tired and Loving It. That however tired you feel from being a dad, it's, it's, that's good. That's a good sign. You're going to bed trusting, man, God's mercies are new in the morning. I'm going to need those. Okay? So that's a good resource as well. Before we go into our groups, I just want to do this. Uh, here's what not to take away from this talk. Okay? You guys ready for this? My kids will be atheists if I skip family devos. <laughs> Please don't think that I'm saying, like, okay, watch out. Like, your kids are going to be, and if they choose not to, it's all your fault. I don't want you to think that. Don't feel that weight. I, want you to, I don't want you to think this. There's a hundred things I should start doing. Okay, my challenge today is pick a thing that you want to change in your home. Just pick one thing. Like, literally, just do that. Everything rides on me, and I'm failing. I don't want you to feel that. I need to be a lot more spiritual before I start leading. Here's what, here's how I want you to live in this tension. I I want there to be a tension. It's like in the Christian life, there's always a tension between license and legalism, right? Like I don't want to just do whatever I want, but I don't want to be this legalistic rule follower. How do I live in the midst of that compassion without compromise, right? Spineless and heartless. Like I, I want to live in the middle of the tension. So here is, I love this phrase that Jerry Bridges calls dependent responsibility. He talks about in our life, just in your Christian life, I am fully responsible to open God's word and to read it but I am fully dependent on the Lord to work through his word to teach me. So it's dependent responsibility. I'm fully responsible to obey God's word, right? His commandments, to flee from sexual temptation, to love my wife, all those things. But I am fully dependent on the Lord to empower me to do that. So it's this, it's not a paradox, but it's both and, it's not either or. So in the same way, as we're talking about all of this impact that you have on your home, I want you to think about this. First of all, you matter, but you aren't essential. Already at your table, what you've already discussed, you already know that, hey, I didn't have an amazing dad, but I'm following Jesus. So as you read these stats, you do matter, but you are not like the key factor that changes everything that, that God's like, man, I really would have changed their lives. But the dad, like you're not, you're not getting in God's way of what he's going to do in your family. Okay. The second one is you are irreplaceable. No one else can be the dad of your kids. Okay. But you're not indispensable. Like you're not absolutely necessary for God to work. Some of you came from single, single mom household or dads who weren't involved, dads who weren't believers. So you understand that you're, you're irreplaceable as a dad. So you really are important. But you're, again, you aren't the only factor that really matters in all of this. So you're a crucial factor, but not the only factor. Think of it this way. They need your presence, not your perfection. They need you to be there. But they're not looking for this perfect dad. And I think, I want you to walk away from here beating yourself up, thinking like, man, I've doomed all of the human race because I haven't been doing devos with my kids. Like, we do make a big impact, but it is all by God's grace. It's dependent responsibility. Lord, just help me to get better in this area today a little bit. I just want to continue to improve and grow uh, as a dad. So here's what I do want you to remember. God always supplies what He demands. When you read that command about fathers do this or fathers bring up, this is the good news, you guys. And this is actually the message of our salvation. God demands perfection from us, which we can't offer. So guess what he does? He supplies what he demands through his son in this sacrifice, right? The substitution. In the same way, God demands that I love my wife as Christ loves the church, which I can't do. But then God supplies what he demands. He gives me all the grace, the desire, and the power. Philippians 2, he's working in you both to will and to work. Um, God is the author and perfecter of our kids' faith. Not me. God can use me, and God does use dads in huge ways. But he's the author and perfecter of our faith and our kids' faith. But I just want to remind you of this. I do want you to take away this. It is hard to measure the internal significance of present faithfulness. I don't know all the impact that I'm going to have as a dad. I know the impact my dad had on me. I don't know when we get to heaven, we're going to find out in so many ways, the impact that we had on different people or things that we did or didn't do. All I know is I want to be faithful right now, present faithfulness, and then let God take care of the bigger significance, the bigger impact. So, it's hard even right now to measure when you got kids that are just learning to walk or like struggling with teenagers or things like that. But just the the big thing is God saying, I just need you to be faithful, okay? Just be a faithful dad. Here's the good news that I love about this God calls you as men of God to walk out that identity that He's given to you, okay? So, that's part of your role there. But He's the all sufficient Savior, not me. But He's also ordained the means on how He impacts the family, which is dads. And so, it's all of this stuff where I'm like, Lord, just, it's all your grace. Help us. We just need help. Uh, I need help as a dad. My kids need your grace. Like, we need help. But as a family, can I impact my, my kids uh, in a way that honors you? But now I'm, I'm walking in a new direction because of what, what I'm desiring now. So, a couple of reminders this is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves. I'm not asking you to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, try harder, turn over a new leaf. I'm not saying that. That's not where your sufficiency comes. Okay? Our sufficiency is from God, who's made us sufficient to be ministers of his covenant, starting in our home. I'm a minister of God's covenant to my kids. That's where I start. A little bit later, 2 Corinthians 9 says, And God is able, not you, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, At all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And that's this dependence where I'm like, Lord, I am desperate for your grace. But the good news is he promises. He's going to give you all the grace you need when you've got to have that hard conversation. When you've got to apologize. When you've got to, you know, I'm really tired right now, but I'm going to press on. Whatever it is, God promises to give you all the grace that you need in every circumstance. Amen? It's really good news. So we're going to spend the rest of our time at your table answering these five questions or going through these five questions are on the back of your notes right there. I do want to remind you there's a few resources that I put there, including the family time ideas that are on there and um, some activities